Hi, Well Woman, and welcome to the Live Well Beyond the Scale podcast. Join Dr. Marcy and her guests as they discuss tasty topics like food and fitness for super busy women, renegotiating your relationships, leaning into your mental health, embracing self-care without the guilt, and much, much more. Together, you'll have open and honest conversations to help you go from restrictive eating and living and into abundance and true well-being. It's time to tell that scale to kick rocks so you can get to the heart of living well. Here's your host, author, speaker, and founder of the Well Woman Academy, Dr. Marcy. Hey ladies, it's Dr. Marcy, and I am so excited to bring you another fantastic episode of Live Well Beyond the Scale. Today I have what I'm saying, my new friend. I'm so excited we've met uh, in a similar conversation around wellness. So very excited to have Pamela Hernandez here with us. She's a medical fitness director at Charlotte Health and Neurology. She's also a certified health coach and certified personal trainer. And she's sharing with us today a special, well, not even special, I would say unique, because I'm saying I didn't even think about this before, but a unique perspective between the connection of our brain and exercise. So I'm so excited about this conversation. I have my pen and paper ready to take notes, and I hope that you are too. Welcome, 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 Pamela. Well, hello, Dr. Marcy. Thank you so much for having me. I am very excited to be here. I think we had a wonderful conversation when we did our our LinkedIn Live with Tiffany Dufu for the crew, crewmate. Um, So I am. I love talking about I love talking about the brain. I I love getting sciency. I love I love talking about exercise. So I'm just really happy to be here and to share, like you said, a different way. I we are unique. We do something very special here at Charlin Health and Neurology, Charlin Health Neurofitness. That's the fitness center that I'm in charge of. We do something very different. I love it. Before we get into that, I want to just understand like. You know, a lot of times you can have hindsight and say, well, how did I get here? What for you has been a path to, you know, become the neurofitness medical director? That's an interesting story. I, w- I actually had my own personal training practice for many years before I took on this role last year. And I think we all get to a point where we realize it's time for change. We we've been doing what we what we love, but maybe we start to get a little burned out. I was I was working on my own. I was a solopreneur, and I was getting a little tired of wearing all the hats. I'll admit, I was also getting a little tired of where fitness can be very focused on appearance. Right? I'd always been, let's make this about health, but sometimes that's hard in the environment that we work in. And I just happened, and I I, I believe the universe gives you what you need. I happened to see a job opening for a fitness director, a medical fitness director at a clinic that I didn't even know existed. And the job description was maybe three or four sentences long. It was, it was very vague. And I said, why not? I'm ready to do something different. I'm ready to be part of a team again. This is a neurology clinic. This really intrigues me. There's, there's going to be some great science here. I know it. And five interviews later, they hired me. <laughs> and at the time, the brand new position, there 
the clinic, Dr. Charlin and team had been bringing in subcontractors, different folks to do the work, but there really wasn't a neuro fitness program. So that was my first real big uh, objective was to develop our neuro fitness programming and how that works into functional medicine, our brain tune-up program, which is our functional medicine program for folks with dementia, ALS, Parkinson's disease, MS, a host of other neurological conditions. So that's how I got here. And I love it. I love being able to really focus on health, to really focus on making a difference in the quality of people's lives, and to watch people who have been told there's nothing you can do, cha- change that story. We, we rewrite the story of neurological diseases all the time. And I just, I love being able to focus on, on really on health. So what does it mean to have neural fitness? So neural fitness is the name of the program because we're really using fitness as a lifestyle strategy and intervention to help people protect their brains, to improve their memory, to focus, to be more productive, to eliminate brain fog. That's something, unfortunately, we're hearing a lot now with post-COVID long haul, a lot of that brain fog. A lot of that long haul um, syndrome has to do with neurological issues. Uh, It's helping people move with more ease in the world who, again, have diseases like multiple sclerosis, for example. So that is what we're doing. We're really focused on using exercise as a lifestyle strategy in conjunction with other lifestyle strategies. You know, when people work with me, I encourage them to visit with our dietitian because cleaning up your diet goes a long way in treating neurological or or as a treatment alongside other things like disease-modifying drugs, for example. Um, to living a better quality of life uh, with with things like MS or Alzheimer's. So what's one of the biggest ways that you help with their neural fitness? Like what would be like one of the first steps? And I know you have a special interest in the female brain. So how do you incorporate all of that? Like having us, number one, like, and I love the idea of intervention, right? But how do we get there? Because, and then I love how you were like, ah, I know exercise and health is all about the outward, but you really want to have a shift on the inside. Yes. So for you, like, what would be our the process for getting me there? I know how you got there, but how do you help intervene with me wanting to say, no, I just want my back fat gone, right? <laughs> I'm thinking about my, my brain right now. So how do you get, get, that person to be be more aware, I would say. Sure. And I, and I think one, I'm in a very lucky position. Again, I love what I do. So typically when people come to us, they're already in that space. This is, this is about health. And so I'm very fortunate, but going into any room, do you want to move better? Are you having problems getting up and down off the ground? Are you huffing and puffing going up the stairs? Can, are you losing your words? Do you walk into a room and you can't remember why you walked in there? Um, all of those things are great conversation starters about how exercise can help. Those, those things are all impacted by adding more physical activity, more movement to your day. 
And so really, as with any coaching situation, it always depends on where the person is starting from, right? And figuring out if we're, if we're starting from zero, what's 1% better? How can we do 10 minutes a day? And I usually start people with things that are aerobic in nature. So cardiovascular exercise, aerobic activity, because that's the number one documented strategy when it comes to all the things that impact the brain, reducing inflammation, um, hormone production. When I say hormone production, I mean things like dopamine and serotonin and the neurotrophins like BDNF, brain-derived neurotropic factor. That's what helps fertilize those new brain cells that we want because we can grow new brain cells. Uh, We improve our circulation. What's good for the heart is good for the brain. If you're not getting oxygen to your brain, it's not going to function. If you're not getting nourishment to your brain, it's not going to function. And the other thing that I really, and this is the conversation I have all the time, is about the stress cycle. I, I, we, we all have stress. I've, I've yet to meet a person that doesn't have any stress. Now I can't take away the stress, but we can talk about how we deal with the stressors and how we complete the stress cycle. And our body is programmed to recognize physical activity as the completion of a cycle, the stress cycle. You either run from the bear or you fight the bear. Either one of those things is a physical activity and the body understands, yes, I am doing the thing that I'm supposed to do when a stress is attacking me and it dissipates those hormones and we can go from fight or flight to rest and digest. And so stress is a huge detriment, not just to the body, but also to the brain and helping people understand this is what your body knows how to do to complete the stress cycle can go a long way to getting people moving. Okay. I'm very intrigued with this because I agree. Stress is such an underlining um, killer for some, for, for us, right? Especially yes. for women. So you have acute stress and chronic stress. How do we, when we have an acute stressor come up, how do, how do we complete the stress cycle? If we are had a stressful call, Right. We had a, a conversation with our boss. Our children are doing things. We've been in the house. How can we, in terms of a, an acute stressor come up, take action and complete the stress cycle? Sure. And, and there's there's two ways. Now, of course, my preferred way is can you get up out of the chair? Can you get to the situation? And can you go do something that gets your heart rate up? However, that's not always going to be accessible. So when we get the heart rate up the heart rate has to come back down. And so that's when we're into what we call rest and digest, right? That's where we feel safe. So if you can't go and say, go for a brisk walk for 20 minutes, you have to stay in your chair. You have to stay in your office. Try to convince your body that you are all ready to rest and digest, that you're safe with some breath work. So what I like to talk to people about is is box breathing or a form of where you're doing an inhale. So box breathing, if you don't know, it is a, it's a four in, four hold, four out, four hold. Sometimes that's a, that's the, it's a little challenging for people. And I think it's having those multiple holds. I actually prefer something that is four in and you're inhaling through your nose and then do a eight out through your mouth. and 
it takes away that hold, which actually can sometimes stress people out a little bit more. Um, and that will help their body sort of get to engage that parasympathetic nervous system and get to that place of safe rest and digest without having to go do the, you know, 30 minute run or 20 minutes on the Peloton or whatever they need to do. So I, that's what I like to talk to people about. If they can't get up and move their bodies, let's go to the breath work and let's just skip right to safety. I love that. Very practical. And there's really, once you accept it and you say, I love the question you asked, do you want to move more? Right. So really asking a very simple question, yes or no. Right. Do you want to be less stressed? Do you want to reduce your stress? My question is, how important is it for brain health? Right. So we're talking about brain, our brain health and stress in particular, how, how important is it for our brain to reduce stress? It is huge. It is one of the biggest factors that we see when people come in, um, particularly with Alzheimer's, I'm, I'm sorry, with MS and ALS, that chronic type A personality, for lack of a better term, we, particularly in women, see that a lot when they're constantly in overdrive. The body and the brain are constantly bathed in cortisol and the gas pedal gets stuck and they can't stop. And it all of a sudden now everything is flat and the inflammation is out of control. And everything is, it's almost like the nervous system and the brain are on fire. And Dr. Charlin actually, there's sort of a, what we call pre-MS, um, limbic system distress disorder, because again, that, that gas pedal is stuck and something's going to give, it hasn't yet, but the body's throwing off signals that too much overload, right? Pull, pull the safety switch because we're about to go over the edge and so unfortunately, we see that a lot. We also see a lot of ALS patients, and, and that is particularly a high risk factor, not just from stress as we think of it, like the, the acute and chronic stressors of day-to-day -day life, but people who put their body under extreme stress from a training perspective. So exercise can be a, a positive stress. It could be a negative stress. So for example, uh, seeing ALS among professional athletes, you know, that's Lou, Lou Gehrig's disease, right? That's where we, where the, the kind of popular name comes from. Um, seeing that among folks who have done extreme sports like triathlons and Ironmans and those types of things, that's actually a risk factor. So it's also finding that sweet spot with physical activity because too much can be a negative stress. Okay, so I was taking notes. <laughs> uh, I love it. So I want to talk about, uh, we love to be sciencey, as we say, right? So what are the neurological stats for women? And this is where it's, it's we're not going to be smiling, I don't think, that much right now, ladies, but just bear with us, right? When you think about um, your risk factors for Alzheimer's or MS or even ALS? Like, is there something about the female brain that has a different trajectory than the male brain? 
You know, it's interesting. And a lot of people don't understand that. I was surprised to learn when I started that both MS and Alzheimer's skew highly female. Um, MS, multiple sclerosis, is an autoimmune disorder, which autoimmune disorders as a whole skew highly female. And though that appears to be inflammation, stress, lifestyle driven. Um, with Alzheimer's, not only are we looking at, at stress and not maybe moving our bodies as much as we should because we put ourselves we put ourselves at the bottom of the list sometimes, but there is a connection that is being explored between estrogen and Alzheimer's and how hormone therapy comes into play to protect the brain. So that's not necessarily exercise related, although exercise is a big part of taking care of your brain, but understanding how your hormonal health is connected to preventing Alzheimer's. That that is a connection that is being explored. And that's something we talk to our patients about when when I'm in clinic and Dr. Charlin talks to them about um, because there's an interesting uptick in diagnosis around the time of menopause. And so how is estrogen playing into that? So we've um, you know, I think years ago, not too long ago, they were called Alzheimer's disease, old timers. And, and where with new studies uh, in brain health, I think we are going to realize that the multitasking or, or where, where are my keys or the distract, always being distracted or maybe even the role that technology plays mm-hmm. in our memory, not being able to fully shut down our sleeping patterns, right? All those things bec- increase our risk. Um, and we talked about, a little bit about um, just taking our brain for granted. And we don't think about it, right? We don't think about, oh, we, I just forgot. Oh, sometimes I'm like, where did I park? You know, like, <laughs> whether I'm distracted or I truly have just forgotten. And I'm like, oh, you know, let me focus. Let me concentrate. So do you, uh, the, it's so easy to take your brain for granted because you Very. don't think about it, right? Very. It's not something that we talk about. How can we increase the conversation? It sounds like you guys are doing some great work there around the importance of brain health. We had a whole campaign about heart health, heart health, right? American Heart Heart Association. You don't see that much with with someone who hasn't already come to, you you know, your uh, neurology center, right? How would someone like me or someone who doesn't have any you know, pre-MS or anything like that, how do we do better? You know, that that is a great question. And that's where I, I call one, our program, NeuroFitness, this is prehab, not rehab, right? So looking at those basic lifestyle factors that are going to, they're going to be good for your health overall. So you, you touched on it, sleep. We know that sleep is the time when the body does its major repair work. It's when it takes out all the trash. So if you're not getting your sleep, by the way, people are like, oh yeah, I'm fine with five hours. No, you're not. Like there are brain studies to prove it. You're not fine. Um, (laughs) How we we choose to feed our bodies, nothing to do with what you weigh, but truly what kind of nutrients are you putting in your body? Um, Are you moving your body? Because again, we're, we're triggering important brain chemicals and neurotransmitters. We're reducing inflammation when we exercise. It's all of those lifestyle strategies 
and then picking picking one to get started with. We we we're not going to change everything today, but is your first strategy? I'm going to set you know I'm going to set a bit alarm to go to bedtime to go to bed, so that I remember I need to get into bed and not wait until I'm just passed out on the couch. Um, I'm going to make time to exercise just for ten minutes. I'm going to find that space. I I keep we we're trying to bring this to as many people as possible. Getting out and doing conversations like this podcast. We started a group coaching program, which folks can uh, contact us. They can actually go to functionalmedicine.doctor. Um, can contact me if you want to go to functionalmedicine.doctor slash neurofitness. But we have a group coaching program for people who are just wanting to get started with learning about functional medicine and taking care of their brain. They don't have to have a diagnosis. You don't have to have a diagnosis to start eating more vegetables. You don't have to have a diagnosis to, to start exercising more. We, we can live a long and healthy life and we're all going to forget things on occasion, but being able to be as engaged and as active and as sharp as possible is, is something we can all do. And that just takes a little bit of that pre-work and it starts with basic steps. I love it. And, and it, I feel like, you know, one of the things we talked about before we started to record was, you know, we are both science geeks. We are proud of it. We don't apologize, <laughs> but we wanted to make sure that this was relatable to everyone. Right. I love the way that you just made it clear. Right. Number one, you help us take ownership with the question. Right. Do you want to? Right. Do you want to? And then putting it back on us to understand that we are in control of our behaviors. But the beautiful thing is we don't have to make these drastic changes. It could be, I love what you said, 1% change can make all the difference in the world. Um, and so what are we missing? Is there anything I didn't cover? Any questions I didn't ask? I really want to make sure that um, you're doing so many wonderful things. So I'm trying to stay on task. Oh, no, <laughs> thank you. Questions. This is so amazing um, just in terms of we learned about some brain hormones and uh, neurotransmitters, which I was completely geeking about, but also some very basic but impactful strategies, right, for, for lifestyle changes to improve our brain health. So what else can, what else can I get from you? <laughs> no, I, I think, I think, I think you've, you've, we've covered a lot of the stuff. I mean, you, you've got to move your body, you've got to nourish your body and you've got to rest your body. And, and those are the most important things. And if you're doing those things that, that goes free. We, we almost talk about sometimes the brain and the body, like they're two different things. It, it, it's really not. Uh, we're, we're a connected system. So whatever, like I said, whatever's good for the heart is good for the brain. Whatever is good for the body is good for the brain. So we, we need to do those things. I think the other thing that when people think of exercising the brain, they think of crossword puzzles. They think of, you know, I'm going to do my daily Sudoku and that's, that's fine. Unless you've been doing crossword puzzles for the last 20 years and you're really good at those crossword puzzles, that's not changing your brain. So it's the challenge that always changes us. So find that thing that is new and novel. And sometimes we even combine that with exercise. So for example, this is an easy one uh, that I give people sort of at a level one program. I love tongue twisters. Memorizing them, they're good for speech. 
If you do something like that, a memorization task while you're exercising, while you're out for a walk, you're on your, you know, Peloton, whatever, you're actually going to get a bigger benefit in rewiring your brain and improving those memory centers. So it's doing the things that challenge you. If you're not naturally good at tongue twisters, start. If you're not, if you've never done a crossword puzzle, great, start that. But if that's what you've always done, you need to do something different. It's the challenge that is going to change you. I love that. That was like a mic drop over here. (laughs) I love it so much because I didn't even think about other ways we think about brain health. And you're so right. They have those concentration or the brain games and you think, okay, I'm doing, I'm doing my part. Um, I love the, not, I want to say spin, but I love the new perspective of the power of exercise. And then to combine both of those and just like, oh, wow. Um, the, one thing, one last question is how do we, we go to get our physicals. We go to, you know, for women, we get our, she could be getting our annual mammograms. Uh, you know, so we have all these, what we call well woman visits, right? Mm-hmm. How often should we get our brain or for, and in, in, in our science talk, go see a neurologist, right? How often should we do that for a check-in and just to evaluate? And what does that look like? Sure. Absolutely. And, you know, here's the thing. There, there are some easy assessment tools that a person can get access to or get access to through their primary care to just check. And one of them that we use in the clinic is called the MOCA or the Montreal Cognitive Assessment. And so people can, can Google that. There are forms of that online. They can ask their primary care physician. That will give a baseline. How are you functioning? You can start to detect mild cognitive impairment using an assessment like that. And then if you're starting to see changes on a test like that, or just noticing things in your everyday life, then that's the time to engage a specialist. That's the time to engage a neurologist. Um, The other thing would be if you have a family history of any kind of neurological disease, particularly Alzheimer's, dementia, um, something like in an autoimmune-based disease like MS, if you have a family history, to have that, again, that prehab visit or that pre-consultation, don't, don't wait until you've seen signs. Ask for genetic testing. There's some genetic testing that you can do for Alzheimer's and check your APOE status. Um, and then you could further engage a, a, a neurologist um, or a functional medicine neurologist like at our clinic. I love it so much. Thank you so much. I just felt like you gave us so many gems. What's the best rate for us to reach you? Absolutely. So you can go to our website. It is functionalmedicine.doctor slash neurofitness. That's where it's going to tell you about the programs. All of my information is on the page. You can fill out the form. You can, you can call me, text me whatever you want to do. And then I'm always trying to share information on our Instagram. So SH NeuroFitness, the SH stands for Charlotte Health. So SH NeuroFitness is where you can find me on Instagram. Awesome. I will make sure everything is in in the description for this episode. Pamela, thank you so much. I I, I want to tell you, I took like three pages of notes. This is fantastic. Um, And I want to thank you ladies for tuning in, for being present, for knowing that your life is worth it, knowing that you can live well 
beyond the scale. Until next time, have a fantastic day. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss our next conversation. Find Dr. Marcy on social media at Dr. Marcy. See you soon, well woman.